Welcome to the Truth Be Known podcast, bringing you the objective truth boldly, candidly, and without apology. Welcome to this week's episode. Welcome back to another episode of the Truth Be Known podcast. I'm Nathaniel Jolly. And I am Eki Tepsapornchai. Brother, it's always good to uh, do these on a weekly basis. I certainly do look forward to them. And we've got a good topic today, I think. Yeah, it's a topic that I, um, I've actually received a lot of direct questions uh, myself, uh, social media, even within my church. I think this is a very common question having to do with the topic of deacons. Yeah, so the question ultimately is... Um, does scripture allow for women deacons? And, uh, you know, admittedly, the first time I really dug down into this was not too many years ago um, when I, I had to deal with an issue in a church where we were going to try, the church was deciding whether or not to let women do the official scripture reading in the church. Um, and, and so that kind of brought up deacons, which they went to you know, later on. And uh, some of that I took issues with and some of it I didn't, but it really caused me to go back to scripture and ask the question, okay, well, what's authoritative in the church? What's, what's prohibited? What's not? You know, the one thing we don't want to do, and, and it, you and I would ascribe to biblical patriarchy, um, you know, we understand that God has given men the role of leadership in, in the church and so, but the one thing we don't want to do is we don't want to, um, because of those positions, uh, go beyond where the scripture goes, right, right. In, yeah. in areas. And I think that is a tendency in our own circles, kind of the, I, I mean, feminism is such a threat um, in, in many ways to the church, humanly speaking, right, that our tendency could very easily be uh, to go overboard um, and maybe even eliminate biblical ministries and roles in the church that women could fulfill, right? And, and so I think that's a danger we have to just be aware of because we're human, and we tend to either go a little too far on whatever side we are, right, just naturally. And so, yeah, what does the Bible say about deacons um, and, and or deaconesses? And I think let's start by just talking about the word deacon, Right, um, because a lot of churches view just just the role of deacon differently. So, what do, what do we mean when we say deacon? What does rather what does scripture you know mean when it uses the term? And and then what is the biblical role of a deacon? And I think from there it will bring some clarity when we start talking about can women be deacons in the church. Yeah, and I think um, we start with just what what is the Greek word? And the Greek word is diakonos or diakonos, depending on how you pronounce it. But the word literally means servant, uh, someone who serves. And that we know is applicable to all Christians, that all Christians are called to be servants. Um, Jesus Christ said that the um, that the greatest among you are, are the ones who are going to to, to going to serve to, to the highest capacity. So we are called to be servants and, and especially leaders. We're called to be servant leaders, right? Um, and uh, that's always been the case throughout scriptures. Uh, when God uh, really condemned the shepherds of the Old Testament, it was because they were serving their own needs and not serving the needs of the flock. So I think we start with the Greek word understanding that it means servant. Now, that does not always mean that every time we see the word diakonos or, or deacon, that it only means servant. Um, I, I do believe in First Timothy 3, we see a strong argument for the office of deacon. There's an office of um, elders as well as the office of deacons. And, and I think that's where we're going towards. And so we understand that the word means servant, but there's also some very important uh, distinctions between um, what is classified as a deacon versus what is classified as, uh, as an elder. Yeah, absolutely. So we're going to end up in the First Timothy passage, but I want to just kind of go through because a lot of people I don't think have been really exposed to the various scriptures, specifically looking for you know where does the Bible use the the word diakonos or its forms, right? There, I, I think three primary forms of of the word, same root word, kind of used throughout. So I just want to hit a few of those, and then we'll end up talking about the the office. Um, it, yeah, and so when, like you said, the, the word just means servant, and and I think we need to understand that it's used very generically 
for most of uh, the times it shows up in scripture. In fact, not only for believers, but actually even for unbelievers, right? I mean, that's how generic the Mm. term is normally used. So just like we would say, uh, yeah, a waitress serving serving tables, uh, the word diakonos is used in its forms, various forms in that same way. It's that generic. So a couple instances of that, uh, you go to John 2, 5, John 2, 9, and you see the word there, which is diakonois or diakonoi, you know, just a form of the root word. And this is when Jesus's mother tells the table waiters to do what Jesus says. Right. There's no indication that these are followers or disciples of Christ. And I think it's reasonable to assume they're not. They're just serving uh, the the attendance at the wedding. But but the word is used there. So here we have the word for deacon used in a way that's just very simply describing what we would describe as any waiter or waitress serving in a restaurant. Right. Very generic use. That might actually be the first time. Uh, the the word appears in the text. I'm not sure, but then you go on to John 12, uh, two, and it says, "So they made him a supper there, and Martha was serving, but Lazarus was one of those reclining at table with him." So the word "serving" there again is our word for deacon. Um, same thing. So very generic use of of the term there. We move on in in Romans. We'll just hit these quickly, right? Romans 15, 25, the Apostle Paul actually describes himself as one who is serving the saints. And, and you talked about this in the opening, right? And and so, it is Paul's calling himself a deacon? Yeah, uh, but again, he's just serving. First uh, Corinthians 4, 5. Now, this is an interesting, interesting one. Uh, let me read this. It says, now there are varieties of gifts but the same spirit. And there are varieties of ministries in the same Lord. Well, the word for ministry here is our word again, right? Yeah. It's diakonion, yeah. um, same root word. So now you have the apostle describing a, a, a multitude of varying ministries, varying ways of serving, and it's our same word. So it it seems like when you read all of these places in Scripture that it, it it's proper to say that all of those who are given to the service of Christ could rightly be and biblically be called deacons in, in yeah. its generic re- use, right? Yeah, yeah. And I think of Ephesians also. Ephesians uh, four uh, eleven talks about how mm. uh, Christ gave to the church um, some as uh, apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers for the equipping of the saints, and that. When you talk about saints, you're talking about all believers uh, for the work of service. And again, that word service is the same word uh, we're talking about uh, that that gets translated uh, as deacon. And, uh, and and even the first time that uh, that we have people appointed as deacons um, would be in Acts chapter six, um, the serving of the uh, of the Hellenistic widows uh, mm-hmm. within the church, and the apostles uh, made sure that there were men that were appointed to this work of service. But very interesting, um, many of us are familiar with Acts chapter six, verse four, which helps to distinguish what an elder elder or at that time an apostle was supposed to uh, focus upon. It says we will devote ourselves to prayer and to the ministry of the word. So that defines the. The, the priority of tasks that the, the the leaders were to focus on, but again, the ministry of the word. The word ministry is again, it's the same. It's from the same root word of uh, diakonos. So that's and that's being applied to the apostles that they are working on the the, the service uh, of the mm-hmm. word. So service uh, again, a very generic term, and uh, and even if we think of. For instance, the word elder. Now we know elder is a different office, but um, but even in the English language, elder could refer to an actual office, or it could just refer generically to someone who's older in age, right? And and so context is going to dictate to us which one we're talking about. And it's a very similar thing in the Greek. It's the same word used for someone who's merely just serving versus someone who has this office that we are calling deacon. And context is going to help us uh, know which which is being referred to. Yeah, you know, um, back to your point of Ephesians 4, just an interesting observation, right? Um, Because it's talking about equipping all of the saints for the work of service, um, obviously we can't be talking about a specified and elevated office there. Right. Yeah, because right. then everyone in the church w- would be in the office of deacon. 
in that. Right. It, just an interesting observation because I I, I noted when That's I was kind of when I, when I was kind of going through arguments for the office in particular, right? Um, some some commenters use that verse. Uh, to argue, okay, well, it's a special office uh, or against it. But um, again, if if that verse was speaking about it, then it would basically mean every Christian individually is elevated to the office of a deacon. And clearly that's not what it means. So we can't use it that way. Yeah, that, nope. that's that, that's a good point. Let me just interject there real quick. Um, because uh, as we said, everyone within the church is called to be a servant. Um, and I, when I preach through Ephesians, and I know you're doing it now, but I got to that passage in Ephesians chapter 4, verses 11 through 13. One of the major points that I was trying to drive home with the church is that you guys are all called to be ministers. You guys are all, call, all called to be servants, maybe not in the exact same way um, as I am or others, yeah. but you're all called to be servants. And yet, when we look at First Timothy 3, and I know we'll get there, but First Timothy 3 is very specific about what kinds of people can actually fulfill that office. So, while everyone is a servant, not everyone is necessarily a deacon in terms of the office. Yeah. And, you know, interesting, just so our audience may know, we, I mean, we've talked a little bit about this, and ultimately, it, you and I end in the same, in a similar place. I think we, we, I might, we might have a little bit of different views in terms of what the office looks like. I, I know even myself, I still have a few questions in, in the in the difference between um, the, what we would call the office of deacon and elder just in terms of authority structure, right? And, mm-hmm. and, and we see that, and we'll, we'll probably get to that. But for instance, again, another observation in this Ephesians passage is, you know, you go to a, in a verse, in a verse, in verse 11, you have here the apostle Paul giving a list of those who are given to the church. Well, yeah. n- notice what's not in yeah. that list. Deacons. Right. Deacons, right. Deacons isn't in that list, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, and and so I think here we do certainly see a major distinction even if you do believe in some official office um, of deacon versus these others who are given to the church. And we would probably both say that major distinction which is played out in First Timothy uh, is based on authority, right? Mm-hmm. Um, at the least. So, just a couple observations there. But we we can. <clears throat> it, so let, let's just move on to the office of deacon. Now, I, I've heard, um, and we're both familiar with John MacArthur's teaching. And it is, a, and I have to admit, it is a little interesting because in some places and at some stages he says there's no office, and then in some other places he talks about the office of deacon. And, and I think if I understand um, his language correctly, he he's he's really um, just distinguishing between one that has authority in the church spiritually and one who doesn't. Um, maybe the language could be a little more concise there, but but I think that's what I've gathered from hearing him uh, use both of those terms. There's no office, and then in other places, he'll talk about the office. I, I think that that's how we would understand that. Does that seem fair to you? Yeah, and, and I've... Um... I grew up in Grace Community Church. I was saved there 2007 and uh, remained there all the way till the time I was called to my current church as the uh, the pastor. So from 2007, 2019, and I, I was a recognized deacon there, um, and there were recognized deaconesses. So there was a list of deacons and deaconesses, and and that was um, that was a process. Um, there, there, the leaders were involved. Uh, the the various pastors and elders were involved in making those um, recommendations and appointments, and then ultimately. Um, going through kind of a, a filtering system to make sure everyone was qualified. Um, so definitely, if you look at how it's practiced at Grace Community Church, um, I think you're right. John MacArthur would see it um, as an office, but an office without um, authority. Now, <clears throat> and we'll see this in First Timothy 3 when we get there. The, the primary difference between elder and, and deacon is that an elder must be able to teach. A deacon doesn't necessarily need to be able to teach, but though it doesn't mean that a deacon can't teach. Right. Um, so, I mean, I, I was um, recognized as a deacon primarily because I did a lot of teaching, um, but I, I just wasn't put into that elder position. And certainly when we see the first deacons appointed from the book of Acts, Stephen what was a man of great wisdom filled with the Holy Spirit, yeah. and he was just refuting, uh, he, he was doing the work of, uh, of a 
of an evangelist, uh, apologetics, and and just arguing Christ and and uh, really refuting a lot of people's um, uh, arguments against Christ um, in, in the Book of Acts, especially chapter six, leading up to um, chapter seven. But yeah, I do agree with you. Looking at Grace Community Church, uh, coming from there, I know they have both deacons as well as deaconesses, and so that that becomes one of the questions uh, because if First Timothy three doesn't specifically mention women in that role, well then why does Grace Community Church have that? Yeah, and and we're definitely going to touch on that. And so so far, I mean, so I think we've we've defined the 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 word deacon as just basically a servant, right? Yeah. To serve, yeah. and in its forms, um, is service to serve or or someone who serves, right? A server. And mm-hmm. so I think that's important, uh, especially because you know we realize that a lot of churches um, practically, uh, oftentimes, what they call deacons really function as biblical elders. Right. Yeah. And so sometimes yeah. there's confusion because I think, um, it, you know, especially in, you know, I'm, I'm a, we're a Baptist church. I'm a, in the Southern Baptist Convention. We have a lot of Southern Baptist churches who have confused the terminology. Right. Yeah. And so they'll have they'll have what they call deacons. But in reality, they function as elders. And so I think that confuses this whole issue, right? And so if we define deacon biblically, then we need to understand deacon as being one who just simply serves. Um, and, and then there are qualifications for the office, which we'll get to. Uh, and, and that also answers the question of, well, what is the biblical role of a deacon, right? Well, the biblical yeah. role of a deacon is, is to serve. And I think we can go to the Acts passage and we see it most clearly played out there. Right, the apostles make the the statement that it's not good for us to serve the tables. We need to focus on you know uh, prayer and the ministering of the word. Pick from among yourselves, you know, seven men who can take care of those things. And so we see the role of a deacon as serving. So I, I would just say, if you're in a church where the deacons are actually functioning as elders then this would be something you would want to understand so that there's no confusion. So when you look at uh, places like Grace Community Church, John MacArthur, or other guys who would say, yes, we think women can be deacons, understand that that's because uh, the deacons are functioning in the biblical role as servants. They're not leading the church. They're not exercising spiritual authority or teaching over the whole church or body of Christ there. And so I think that can be helpful because I know a lot of Southern Baptist churches, I ran a few polls, so I I know a lot of guys uh, gave some pushback purely um, on on the fact that their churches have deacons that are really in function elders. Yeah. Yeah. And and that I actually ran into that uh, with the church that I'm at right now. So coming out of Grace Community Church, they they had um, their deacons, deaconesses and elders and coming to the church where I'm at, Western Avenue Baptist Church. Um, I'm really the only elder or at least the only recognized elder. Then they have a, a deacon board. And the deacon board really functions um, in a position of, of leadership. They're a little bit of a hybrid between what I think is a biblical elder as well as a, a biblical deacon. And when they were looking at my philosophy of ministry statement, um, in my philosophy of ministry, ministry statement, I said, I really have no issues uh, with women um, in the role of a deaconess. And they asked me about that. And um, they said, do, do you still do, do you really believe that? And I said, well, uh, yeah, but not the way you guys are functioning. So the way our church functions uh, we could not have a woman on the deacon board because that board really serves as uh, in the leadership kind of capacity. But in a church where um, where the deacons are, are seen as servants without any kind of authoritative structure, you, you could argue whether or not First uh, Timothy three makes any room for that because there is no explicit mention. Uh, well, there's one verse that 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 could be debated, but there's um, there's no explicit mention of of women being deacons. Um, but you could say that if we understand that the deacon role is really one of of service and not of authority, um, then to me, it becomes less of a, a major issue. Yeah, absolutely. So it's good to understand, you know, what what we understand the biblical role of deacon is versus how that plays out in some churches. Um, yeah. And so, so I think we've defined those things well. And, and defining what we see and understand a deacon to be in scripture is extremely important because of the conclusion that we come to, right? Um, you couldn't come to the the same conclusion any other way. So, but let, let's move on just a little bit. Um, it's kind of talking about the office of, of deacon. And I, I think lots of people, you know, I ran a couple polls and I, I ran a poll on is deacon in office or just recognized as a servant in the church. Um, 72% said, yes, it's an office. 28% said, no, it's not. 
and got just under 500 votes. So that's very interesting. Mm. Um, and, and I wonder if if the term office uh, is probably being defined differently, right, by yeah, different people. Yeah. Um, when when I use the term office, and, and I do think it is an office, I just simply mean uh, scripture speaks to it in such a way that it gives specific parameters and sets it apart from other right. things in the church, right? Um, right. I, I, how, how would you describe office? Yeah, I think, I think that's, that's accurate. I mean, I, I think what we want to resist the temptation of doing is thinking in terms of like a, a corporation, thinking in terms of business uh, that you've got a, you've got, there's a building and you got a, a, an office and with tables and chairs and all that stuff. When, when we say office, it's really just a, a defined position by God. Um, I, I believe it's a way of establishing structure within the church. Um, and and how uh, the the Church of Jesus Christ is is to function, so yeah, I, I would agree with that definition. Um, it's not, um, it, you know, don't don't take it to the extent that we take it in the secular world. Um, just understand that it's a it's a defined position. I like the way you put it. It's set apart um, by by God for a specific purpose within the church. Yeah, and and so let me look at a few other examples uh, as we you know approach the First Timothy passage. Um, it, you know, oftentimes, and and there are several views, right? And we mentioned that you've got churches who would say no, uh, the, the passage in in First Timothy doesn't allow for women deacons. You have others that would argue that. Um, but I want to hit on a couple instances in Scripture where people try to make the case that I, I don't know that we can do that. So, uh, you know, let's just start out with Tychicus. So, in Ephesians, Paul uh, mentions him as a faithful minister of the Lord, right? And there's our word again for deacon. Yeah. Um, but it, when, you, when you read the passage, it's really used in the same general sense that Paul's yeah. been using the term, just as someone serving the church. So, that, I don't know that you can make a case for an office uh, out of that. Uh, the next one will be Epaphras, right? So, Paul makes the point to acknowledge him in, in Colossians, uh, says he's a faithful servant of Christ on our behalf. And I think that's important, right? We're defining deacon in, um, in the spiritual sense, in the context of the church, as one who is serving Christ, Right. Yeah. Um, and but a few verses later, in twenty three and twenty five, Paul uses the same word to describe himself. So mm-hmm. again, not the office there, just using right. it in a very generic term for those who are dedicating whatever they're doing to the work of God, uh, which ultimately, and I use those examples ultimately lead up to Phoebe. So I think Phoebe is one of those places where I, I would disagree. We could use her. Um, as an example of mm-hmm. uh, an office, um, because it seems to be, when I read the text, used in the same way as Paul's used Epaphras and Tychicus. So, in Romans 16, 2, Paul says, I commend to you our sister Phoebe, who is a servant of the church. Um, again, I, I don't think that's elevating her to an office of of. of you know, the, yeah. diac- the diaconate office, I, I think it's the same way Paul's been using and has been elevating or at least bringing attention to others. So, it's not uncommon, right? He's writing to a church and he's saying, hey, um, you know, this person who's been a servant of the church, uh, help them, recognize them, receive them. And so, I don't think we can use Phoebe as an example. Even guys who would um, be in line with our conclusion, I often hear use Phoebe as an example. I don't think we can really do that from the text, at least from my perspective. Um, I, I think w- the stronger case would would be a little more theological um, and and when we get into First Timothy, just some questions there. So, I mean, that brings us then to the question uh, into First Timothy. Um, I, 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 any thoughts on that? Yeah, I, I was just looking at the Romans 16 passage, and and uh, it's interesting because um, you know in, in verse three he talks about uh, Prisca and Aquila, fellow workers in Christ Jesus, and and for Phoebe, I suppose you could make the argument while he mentions that she's a servant of the church, and specifically mentions the church at uh, at uh, Kencray. Um, mm-hmm. possibly, but I, I think you're right. I think this is more of a characterization. 
Um, certainly, there's a, a number of women at my church right now whom I would commend to others as being true servants of the church. Um, so, I, I would actually say the same thing, even though they don't formally have an office. So, I, I think at the at the very most, what we can say for certain is that Phoebe was one who is characterized as someone who serves the church. Now, why does he call her a servant of the church at Kenkrae and the other places he refers to fellow workers? Well, some are actually a part of his apostolic tr- team tr- traveling around with him. Phoebe, obviously, was identified with um, with the believers at, uh, at a specific location. So, yeah, I, I agree with you. I think we look at these passages, and at most, um, there, there could be some ambiguity there. It, it's possible that that's you know, that that she had that kind of position. But I think generally speaking, when we see how Paul uses these words and characterizes them, I think it is perfectly in line with him just describing their their character, their godly character and, and their um, reputation for serving others wherever they're at. Yeah. And I might have had a different opinion if he hadn't um, brought out specific names previously, right? So, yeah. again, I don't think Tychicus was being brought out, although he certainly makes a point to mention him specifically. Um, Epaphras, uh, you have the, oh, what was it, the, an entire household at one stage, uh, who they were slips my mind at the moment. Um, but you have an entire household who Paul says that they're dedicated to the service of Christ um, the household of Stephanus. Yeah, there we go. Um, it, you know, I don't think he was elevating them into the role of deacon, although he was very clearly making it a point to bring their names out. And so, yeah. it seems to be consistent when he gets to Phoebe that that's just uh, kind of how he's been going. So, I, I don't think we can use that. But then we come to, I think, what really people struggle with in in First Timothy. And I think this is the right place to struggle, right? Yeah. It, if the question is, okay, we just want to be obedient to Scripture, and we want to honor God, we want to glorify God, we don't want to put anyone in positions that would um, put them in, uh, in a position where they're going against the Word of God, and so what do we do with this? And admittedly, um, we'll just have to say that it's not super clear. I, I, I think we want it to be clearer than it is, right? And so, l- let me just read this whole section here. So, we're in chapter 13, 1 Timothy. It starts by chapter saying, three. It, yeah, chapter 3, sorry. Yeah. Um, it's a trustworthy statement. If any man aspires to the office of overseer, it's a fine work he desires to do. An overseer then must be above reproach, the husband of one wife, temperate, prudent, respectable, hospitable, able to teach, not addicted to wine or pugnacious, but gentle, peaceable, free from the love of money. He must be one who manages his own household well, keeping his children under control with all dignity. But if a man does not know how to manage his own household, how will he take care of the church of God and not a new convert so that he will not become conceited and fall into the condemnation incurred by the devil? And he must have a good reputation with those outside the church so that he will not fall into reproach and the snare of the devil. So that's for the elders. I read that because the second part of deacons actually references uh, the the likeness of the elders. So verse eight says deacons are, Likewise, that word is important, right? So he's connecting them. Deacons likewise must be men of dignity, not double-tongued or addicted to much wine or fond of sordid gain, but holding to the mystery of the faith with a clear conscience. These men must also first be tested. Let them serve as deacons if they are beyond reproach. Okay, now here's the passage in question, right? Uh, so reading from the NASB, it says, women must likewise be dignified. That word likewise is important. Not malicious gossips, but temperate, faithful in all things. Deacons must be the husbands of one wife and good managers of their children and their own households. For those who have served well as deacons obtain for themselves a high standing and great confidence in the faith that is in Christ Jesus. Now, I think this is where grammar and reading and very in one of the very few places I would as a pastor say, Maybe the Greek is helpful um, but beyond just the English. And, and I only say that because if you go to the ESV, which we would consider a, a good translation, um, it actually reads something quite different. In verse 11 in the ESV, it reads like this, their wives likewise must be dignified, not slanderers, but sober-minded, faithful in all things. So, that's an entirely different text, right? Women yeah, versus wives. Right. And, and this, um, 
it comes down to all translations um, do some level of interpretation, and the question is where, and where, where should they do more interpretation? And in First Timothy three, the NASB NASB ninety five is more literal. Um, the word is women, but the Greek word for women could also mean wives. And so the what the ESV done has done is that they've looked at it and said, well, we believe this is talking about wives. Well, whose wives? Talking about the wives of those deacons, and so that's why they provide the additional interpretation that they're their wives. But literally, it just uses the word for woman, uh, which is uh, gune. Uh, and uh, it just says women must likewise be dignified and not malicious gossips, uh, but but temperate, faithful in, in all things. And so if we understand this to be the wives connected to those men, because remember, the men are described as husband of one wife, right? Um, so this is saying that um, anyone that you put into that position, um, you need to take a look at the wife also and make sure that she's not characterized by these things, because if she does, she can undermine the the work of the husband. Or... And that's here's the big question. Do we take verse 11 to say that this is also extending it to women? That, um, that, that first it talks about men and it's saying that women must also uh, be similar to those men and adds a few other qualifications about being malicious gossip, gossips, temperate, faithful in all things. Um, so that, that's really the main question, but it's, it's really just that one verse. And then when you go to verse 12, it goes back to uh, focusing upon men, husbands of one wife. Yeah, and I mean it is interesting, and it does create some questions, right? Uh, it, it's I think we have to be honest and say it is certainly strange that Paul would start with speaking of deacons uh, who are to be men, and then insert one passage uh, about women qualifications to be deacons, and then go back and in the next verse continue just to speak about men. That's strange, and I think we have to acknowledge that. But I think we also have to acknowledge that, I, I mean, again, we talked about the other translation in the ESV, and there are some other ones as well. I mean, the reality is the Greek word doesn't supply a possessive, a possessive pronoun. Right. So, the, the translators clearly supplied that. So, if you are going on just the literal Greek word, I don't know that you could get to where you would supply their wives. Yeah. And so that's one issue where I think the Greek is a little bit helpful, and it causes me to lean a little bit towards translating the word as as women rather than wives, mm -hmm. right? Now, the other thing it, that leads me to translate it this way is the word likewise, right? So if we understand the usage of that word, so he starts in verse 8 saying deacons likewise, right? So likewise referencing uh, the character and nature of deacons to verse one, basically, and all that he said there. You get down to verse 11, and it says, women must likewise be dignified. Well, like what? Well, like deacons in verse eight. Yeah. And so, he's clearly connecting verse 11 to verse eight, where he's clearly talking about men there. And so, again, I can't answer the question, why does he not give more verses about women. Why does he not, uh, you know, uh, go further and explain that? I can't do that, but he certainly does connect the verse there. The other thing that I would say is, you know, it's strange. It would be strange if we translated it as wives, because why would you have qualifications for a deacon's wife? who is right. just a servant, and not, not a qualification an for an elder's right. wife right. who exercises spiritual authority over the body. Th that would be inconsistent and a bit backwards, right? You would think it would mm -hmm. be the other way around. I mean, these are just kind of things that I think through. Maybe it'd be helpful for others to think through. Thoughts on that? Uh, yeah, this is um, th this is a tough one. Uh, I, I can see that. Um, I, I do lean a little bit more towards uh, this talking about the the wives of of those deacons. But you raise a good point. We don't have that qualification being listed up in the category of elder. And elder is um, is a, a position with greater scrutiny and, and higher responsibility uh, than the deacon. So. Yeah. Okay. So you 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 would take the ESV version, their wives. Yeah, I, I would see okay. this. I would lean a little bit more towards the okay. ESV. But I understand your point. Yeah. Yeah, and and that's why, like I said, we may. And it's interesting that we end up in the same place because I I think that if you took it as if you translated it as their wives, then we would have to say women aren't qualified as deacons in the office. Mm -hmm. I think because that's the only passage that would leave room yeah. for women. Right. 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 So. It, so if you if you took it that way, 
uh, which I don't. Uh, I, I don't think you could get to women deacons consistently. Right. right. Um, but if you take it as women uh, must likewise be dignified and connect that to the first, then I think I think that would be the way to leave room for women serving. Now, you could say then, oh, and so ultimately, here's a good place. I think, and you've already mentioned it, like in the end, both of us would agree that because it's an office of service and not an authoritative position that women could, if uh, deacons were functioning that way in the church, be right. deacons, right? Yes, yes. Um, and so, I, and and for me, I'm just saying that I think the only way for me to get there would be if, if we Verse translate 11, right. 11 hmm. as yeah. women and not their right. wives. Um, and, and so, the and. And, and that would ultimately be so the, the test, and I often tell people, right, it, you have to go to the implications of your doctrine. And, and if the implications of your doctrine go against the clear teaching of Scripture, then your doctrine's wrong. And so let's just do that here, right? So the implication of a woman deacon, uh, what, what are the implications? Well, if we understand the deacon role to be serving, not exercising authority, then it actually never goes against the prohibition of women in the church. Well, what's yeah. the prohibition? Well, the prohibition is I do not exercise, I, I do not, um, I do not allow for a woman to teach or exercise authority over men. Qualifications mm-hmm. of an elder, mm-hmm. uh, right? But it never touches that if it's just a serving role. Yep. And and so I think e- even if you follow the implications of it out all the way to the end, it it never. Um, gets to a place where it's being disobedient to what's clear in Scripture. And, and so, I, I think that uh, there will be faithful churches who take both views of this, right? And, and I also have to say, I, I think it's okay because it's not very clear. It, it's just not, right? Um, I think if you're trying to be biblical, now we've not addressed any of the egalitarian views because they're just not biblical, and I don't want to waste time on those. But I think biblical churches can take either one of these views uh, just because it, the scripture is vague here. I think we have to be honest about that. Yeah, and so when you use the example of Phoebe from Romans chapter 16, um, based upon what we're saying here, that verse 11, if we understood this as just being women, likewise must be dignified, and, and that really being the extension of the deacon office to include women, um, certainly Romans chapter 16, when it mentions Phoebe, Phoebe might actually be a deaconess at her church. Um, but the point we were making back then when we were talking about Phoebe is, was that Paul's point when he mentioned the word diakonos to describe Phoebe? Was he making the point that she's a deacon or was she, he's just making a point that she's a servant of the church? And either could be true because Paul, yeah. as you mentioned, Paul refers to himself as a servant, right? And uh, But the other point I think is very valid and we have to consider this because I think when it comes to women leadership within the church, a lot of people would point to that Phoebe passage saying, well, Phoebe was a deacon. So there, there's your proof that women are to, to be leaders. Well, no, because deacons were not leaders. They, they, did not, um, they did not have authority over the church. And even as we go back to 1 Timothy 3 and read through those uh, instructions, right at the end of chapter 2, just before you get to chapter 3, that's when Paul says, I do not allow a woman to teach or exercise authority over a man. So, if you were to interpret 3 verse 11, women must likewise be dignified that women can also be deacons, which I, I again, my I agree with you. I don't think it's, um, I, I can't be dogmatic on this, that, right. that it's just talking about wives or if it's talking about the fact that women could be deacons as well. But even if you argue that that is saying women can be deacons, well, that comes right after the chapter. It says, I do not allow a woman to teach or exercise authority over a man. And the qualifications for a deacon that we see starting in verse 8 does not include the ability to teach. And in right. fact, if you were to do a side-by-side comparison of the qualifications for an elder versus the qualifications for a deacon, I think you will find that the qualifications are identical with exception for the ability to teach. So, the difference between the two is that an elder must be able to teach because teaching is a way that you show and exercise authority in the church when you instruct others and rebuke and reprove and correct and all those kinds of things. And I would add not being a new convert. Which is significant, yes. right? Yes. I mean, so it seems that a, a, a deacon doesn't have that prohibition. They must be tested, but it doesn't mention being a new convert. And I think one of the reasons is, is because they're not in an authoritative teaching position. 
that would lead them to be conceited and fall into the condemnation incurred by the devil because of that. Um, so, it, you know, no matter how you interpret uh, this passage and you look at Phoebe, I, I think you could come to either the conclusion that, okay, yes, w- women can't be deacons. And I think you could even come to that conclusion understanding the biblical role of a deacon just being servants. Um, And I think you can come to the other conclusion. Yeah, this is, we do want to be dogmatic on the clear uh, parts of scripture. And and so we can be dogmatic in saying that, um, you know, uh, there cannot and will not ever be a such thing as a biblical pastor who's a woman or an elder who's a woman. We're dogmatic about that because the scripture is very clear. But this is one of those cases where if you interpret the passage, you know, and I think, again, using the language, using the Greek, um, for for me, the the NASB translation is seems to be more consistent um, and it doesn't change any of Paul's clear teachings then I I think it leaves room for women deacons. Um, If your deacons look like biblical deacons, right? Now, maybe again, you're in a church where the deacons are, it it would be more accurate language to call them elders. Um, But if that's your church setup, then then women couldn't be because the prohibition is on the teaching and the authority in the church. So, this is a difficult one. and And I think my um, my encouragement to solid biblical churches out there would be we need to grant a lot of grace in this area because uh, churches like MacArthur, again, uh, they're not violating scripture because the women who are deaconesses there are are not in any teaching or authoritative right. passages. Neither are the male deacons. Yeah. Well, right? some of them are teachers, and, but only of women or children. Right. right. And, and yeah. so I was. Yeah. And so that's a good point. Um, the the ministry that Paul spells out, and I might lean a little more heavily on um, a concentration on this uh, than others, but the ministry that Paul takes the time to spell out under the unction of the Holy Spirit is older women teaching younger women how to love their husbands, how to raise their children yeah. for the glory of God. Um, and, and so, they absolutely can and should be doing that. Mm-hmm. And, you know, male deacons aren't qualified just by way of them being a deacon to teach either. If male deacons are teaching, it should be because they meet the qualifications of an elder. Right. 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 Um, and, and so, and so I don't think either position uh, really puts you in, in a place where you're going against the clear teachings of scripture. So we need a lot of grace here. And I think we'll see um, one of my concerns, Eki, and, and it'd be interesting because we hadn't talked about this. If you share the concern, we're both very anti-feminist movement because we, yeah. it, it's dangerous. It's not right. biblical. It's very harmful to both the, the church and women. Um, but what I what I don't want to see is the overreaction uh, to that, being that we become hard nosed on an issue like this in Scripture, where regardless of the position you take, you're not putting anyone into disobedience to Scripture. Yeah. And the Bible is just not very clear on the issue. And so, what we don't want to do is start calling people feminists because they have deaconesses, um, as long as those deaconesses are just servants in the church, right? They're not exercising any authority. So, I don't know anyone in the right mind who would call John MacArthur a feminist. And and yet, as you've said, and you've been there, there are plenty of, you know, uh, women in the deacon position there. So, I think we need to grant grace there, and we need to try to look at the text the best we can, and this is a good exercise for guys in our camp, right? Because I think there are very few places where we probably find ourselves being um, motivated by uh, our outside positions, but this might be one of them, right? You come to the text, and we are so, we're always fighting against feminism, the uh, female, you know, pastors supposed coming into the church, and we could have a tendency to not look at the text for ourselves honestly, and just kind of want to say, female deacons, nope, women can't be any anything in the church. Um, and, and I've seen some of that, and I think we need to be careful yeah. and take a step back. And if we understand at the beginning that the deacon has no authoritative teaching role in the church, they're just servants. And I don't mean just servants to uh, degrade the, the office, right? Yeah, I right. just mean just as in separating it from an elder. But they're servants in the church, 
And so I think if we understand that first, we can kind of separate even our own emotions in our camp, you know, uh, from the combating the feminist kind of thing and relook at the text and say, well, is there room for this? And by the way, um, I, I, I heard a few guys uh, on my post talk about how no one in the church has ever carried these positions before. And that's actually not true. Um, there have been, you know, previous church fathers who took this issue um, and believed that women could serve. Charles Spurgeon was one of them, by the way. Mm. Um, and any thoughts or comments, brother? I'm going to try to find, uh, I've got a list. Yeah, I think uh, one of the other um, complaints or concerns that are voiced by people that are more in our camp is that if you open up the office to deacon to women, well, it becomes a slippery slope. Um, you're opening it up to deacons uh, now, and then the next generation, they'll suddenly become teachers and then elders and all that. But I, I think the distinction that we're drawing here is a very important one. And that's the fact that deacons are not called to be able to teach. They, they can teach, especially for the men and uh, for women who are teaching other women, but that's not the requirement of the office itself. And, and I know from being at Grace Church, um, I've met many of the women that led women's ministries, did a lot of teaching with women, and, and they were always very, very respectful towards me and other men. And I've even seen encounters where um, they've had men kind of rebuking them wrongly, I would say, uh, people who are, had less knowledge uh, for other matters, but they were always uh, very respectful and dignified and, and tried to find another man to, uh, to, to be able to address whatever concern or issue that that person had. So, there was never an issue I, that I could recall or, or have seen where a woman, uh, one who was called a deacon at Grace Church, felt that she had authority over a man who was not a deacon. So, I think as long as you maintain a clear dividing line that, that deacons um, are, are not does not come with the requirement that they're able to teach. Now, I did mention that I was a deacon. I was deacon there while I was going to seminary as well. And the seminary, the master seminary, does require that all the students that go to seminary must, uh, must meet the qualifications of an elder. So, all throughout the years that I was at seminary, I was recognized as meeting the qualifications of an elder, but I was not an elder. I was, I was a deacon. Um, and for the elder position, that's, that's uh, you know, the official church leadership and then you have to be much more selective and and um, and intentional about about making that uh, those selections. Yeah, absolutely. So again, the it really comes down to making sure who you call elder or deacon is functioning in the biblical role. And so I I I do not believe slippery slope is a fallacy. I I, I get that people call it that, but it's totally legitimate. The slippery yeah. slope, right? It's totally legitimate. Um, but in this case, I don't think it's applicable because right. it seems like you can make a case um, for you know if deacons are serving biblically in that capacity as just servants, I think you can make a case that women could be a deacon. Um, and, and then, well, we already have, you know, uh, churches that are putting women in the role of elder. So, it's not like the next generation or two is going to be any different. Um, and, you know, that has a clear prohibition. So, again, yeah. to your point, if we separate them and we shouldn't be putting anyone in the role of elder or deacon who doesn't meet the qualifications listed. And I think that's really a big part of the church's problems. We put people in these roles who just aren't qualified to start with, right? Yeah. It, if we started looking at the qualifications, um, it, we'd have a lot less of those problems. They'd still be there because we're humans. But let me just read a couple people historically who have taken the position that deaconesses can function in the church. And some of them might surprise people. So, we have Pliny the Younger in, you know, 111 AD. So, that's pretty close uh, to the yeah. apostles, right? Clement of Alexandria in 150 AD. Um, uh, I'll go ahead and say Origen. He had some significant issues as a heretic. But anyway, yeah. um, maybe that doesn't make my case, but I'll just put it out there. Um, Olympias in 368. Uh, a few... Uh, a few others, um, John Chrysostom, right, in 349, um, viewed deaconesses as legitimate. Jerome in AD uh, 347, John Calvin. Mm. In fact, let me just read this. Uh, John Calvin, deaconesses were appointed not to soothe God by chantings or unintelligible murmurs and spend the rest of their time in idleness, but to perform a public ministry of the church towards the poor 
and to labor with all zeal, mm. assiduity, and diligence in offices of charity. But that's mm. from John Calvin. Yeah, yeah. You know, yeah, that sounds a little bit like the Proverbs 31 woman also, right? Yeah. And then lastly, which I mentioned before, is Charles Spurgeon. L- let, me, let me read Charles Spurgeon. Deaconess is an office that most certainly was recognized in the apostolic churches. It would be a great mercy if God gave us the privilege of having many sons who also preached the gospel and many daughters who were all eminent in the church as teachers, deaconesses, missionaries, and the like. That's Charles Spurgeon. So we have both John Calvin and Charles Spurgeon and some other, uh, you know, um, post-apostolic fathers who we would appreciate and reference their writings. So this actually is not a new position, and that's really the point I wanted to make. But we all agree, if you get to the 21st century and your interpretation of Scripture is new and there's no line of historic agreement in church history, that's a big red flag. Yeah, you know, I would say if it's new, then it's wrong, uh, even. Um, But look, in looking at this passage, it's not it's not the first time. Um, There's a whole long line of of guys in the past who have viewed deacons. Now, if you go read the writings, you'll find out that their view of deacons was well just the same as John Calvin and Spurgeon, ones who were serving in the church, predominantly the poor and the needy, which sounds a lot like what you know the seven were doing that's right right yeah yeah going back to yeah going back to acts um when the deacons were first appointed and i I was just thinking of the proverbs 31 woman um verse 20 uh, proverbs 31 verse 20 says she extends her hand to the poor and she stretches out her hands uh to the needy um so that uh, right in line with what john calvin was describing as uh, female deaconesses and and their role um yeah you know my my big thing even though um I, I tend to lean on verse 11 being the wives of those deacons um it's the fact that that role is one of service that that that's all it is and everyone's called to be a servant so if they're recognizing women who have been servants of the church and and they're and, and these are women of of good character and and strong repute um, then yeah, I'm not going to I'm not going to raise an objection about this. This is not this is not a gospel issue. It's not a leadership or authority issue. Um, you know, you're not going to be in danger of having someone who's unqualified to go up to the pulpit at, at least based upon those qualifications by themselves. So I'm not going to make an issue out of that by itself as long as the deacon role is not one of leadership. Yeah, absolutely. Well, thanks, brother. Uh, it, it's been a good conversation. I, I hope it's helpful for for people. I know a lot of people uh, w- want to say, you know, well, what exactly does it say? I mean, well, yeah. uh, you know, this is just one of those texts where, if we're honest with the text, it's not very clear. Um, what is very clear is that uh, Paul's prohibition on elders are men only, and that women are not to teach or exercise authority over men in the church. That right. is abundantly clear. So, no matter which view you take. Um, you cannot uh, be in opposition to those clear prohibitions. And if your view uh, leads you to be in opposition to those, then your view is clearly wrong, right? And and so really that's kind of one of of the important litmus tests in this particular discussion. Um, Now I'll say, you know, for myself, like we we would not allow uh, women to do the public scripture reading because I view that as an authoritative role you're opening the word of God and you're reading it to the people with the mindset that um, they are subject under your reading in an authoritative view. Other churches take different positions, but in terms of the deacons, like in our church, uh, we merely recognize people who have already been serving um, willfully, lovingly. They're not looking for a title. They're not looking for recognition. Uh, and they've been doing that faithfully because they love Christ and they love the church. And, and so that's all our deacons particularly would do. Yeah, I agree. And um, for the deacons that we have at our church, like I said, we have a little bit more of a, it, it's a hybrid functionally between elders and, and deacons. So we don't have female deacons at our churches, but certainly the wives of those deacons are, are servants of the church. Yeah. And when we have things that, um, need to get done. We have a food ministry. We have um, a lot of ministries to saints who are in need. And oftentimes the deacons' uh, wives or my own wife will um, head that up or be heavily involved in that. 
And uh, it's, a, it's a wonderful ministry. Um, all this to say that ultimately we're all called to serve the body of Christ. We are all being equipped for the work of service, which makes us all ministers, uh, regardless of whether you fit into a specific office or not. Yep. Amen. Well, guys, I hope this has been helpful to you. And so until next time, let the truth be known. The Truth Be Known podcast is a theologically driven, gospel-centered program serving the body of Christ by bringing biblical truth to bear on issues facing the church today. Subscribe to the Truth Be Known podcast by using the podcast app on your Apple or Android device or listen online at strivingforeternity.org in the podcast section.